Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. This episode is from a live webinar recording that originally aired on August 29th, 2020. Our webinar coordinator, Menvinder Kaur, will get us started by introducing this episode's panelists. Thank you for joining today's webinar hosted by the Sick Research Institute. Now, I would like to introduce you to today's presenters. Kulveer Singh currently serves as the Executive Director at SICRI, but also works uh, with the innovation and growth strategy firm Clario, leading international projects with Fortune 500 clients. Kulveer has been actively involved in the SICK Canadian community. He is the co-founder of the Save a Food Bank in Mississauga and the Toronto SICK Retreat. He also serves on the boards of the William Osler Health System and the Empire Club of Canada. He lives with his family in Brampton, Ontario. Professor Mohanbir Singh Sani is a globally recognized scholar, teacher, consultant, and speaker in business innovation, modern marketing, and artificial intelligence applications in business. Professor Sani has written seven management books, as well as dozens of influential articles in leading academic journals and managerial publications. He holds a PhD in marketing from the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania, an MBA from the Indian Institute of Management, Calcutta, and a BTech in Electrical Engineering from the Indian Institute of Technology, New Delhi. Please welcome our presenters. Well, thank you for joining us. Why Grujika Kalsa, Why Grujiki Fateh. My name is Kuvir Singh, as uh, was uh, uh, teed up in the uh, introduction before, and I'm delighted uh, to be with everyone today for this uh, really intriguing conversation with uh, with Monbir Singh. Um, and I'll start with a, a little anecdote about me and Monbir. Monbir, uh, you know, and I often have benefited from the sick halo effect, where whenever we walk into a room, uh, we carry on, the, the, we, we are beneficiaries of the legacy of any previous interactions that audience has had with six or particularly with Sardar. Positive or negative. Yes, well, almost always positive in my case, and but I also am, have been the beneficiary of the Moonbeer effect because uh, a lot of the work I do in the world of innovation and actually in the Chicago area puts me in contact with people who are uh, very some very know Moonbeer very well, and so they uh, often uh, in conversation will call me Moonbeer by accident, uh, for which I always take as a compliment. Um, but I've also uh, been stopped on the streets of Chicago a few times from behind. Uh, saying, uh, hey, Moonbeer, Moonbeer, and I look around and some, and they look aghast and they, they say, oh, sorry, sorry, I thought you were my my professor, my friend Moonbeer, and I always take that as a compliment. So um, delighted to have this conversation with you today, Moonbeer. Um, uh, take a couple of minutes to kind of tee up the topic of why we're here, and and then I'll pass it over to you to kind of hear your story and and why uh, why we're why this is such a relevant topic for us. So. You know, the theme today is we see inspiration and action, and inspiration to action. And it's about connecting uh, 7 billion people in the world today to to what we call oneness or ekon God. And how do we bring the Guru's wisdom uh, to the world? And, you know, because right now, uh, the Guru's wisdom, and when we think of the Sikh diaspora, you know, it, it seems to be... Uh, uh, you know, the 25, 30 million people that are born into sick families is, is, our, is where we've confined the Guru's message. But that's not always been the case. If we look at Sikh, Sikhi and Sikhism through history, you know, Punjab has always been our center of gravity. But 
Sikhs and the Sikh community have always transcended geography, caste, tribe, culture, language, ethnicity. You know, if you think of Guru, Guru Nanak's travels, took him all over South Asia and the Middle East and wherever he went, people of various backgrounds all became fans, followers of Nanak and became Sikhs. Uh, if you look at Guru Amar Das, who established the Manji system all the way up to Afghanistan, uh, what is present day Afghanistan, and all the way east and south, those were individuals who were not Punjabi, but they became Sikh as well. And if you look at the, the most dynamic example I always found was the Panjpiade of Guru Gobind Singh Ji. They came from all over South Asia, and they, and they landed in Anandpur Sahib to, to answer the Guru's call. So the Sikhi has always been this, this you know, in a way, a big tent tradition, a big tent lifestyle. It is not a, you know, we are a race, but not one defined by ethnicity, but of values. And even our central uh, thesis, our manifesto of the Guru Granth Sahib that we've been, we've given is not in Punjabi. It's in the Gurmukhi script designed by the Gurus, but it incorporates multiple language systems from all over and examples and analogies that are meant to be as diverse and as inclusive as possible. So we come from this legacy, but where we are today is that Sikhi is often uh, overlapped and almost confused with Punjabi. You know, the culture and the faith have become so closely aligned that it's sometimes hard to separate those. But that, but that assumption of overlap is actually uh, tenuous at best because we know that the Sikh diaspora has exploded in the last century. Uh, the, the, there are major Sikh populations that are now fourth, fifth generation removed from Punjab or, or South Asia in you know, Africa, in, in North America, in Europe, and now you know, in Australia is booming. New Zealand has a thriving Sikh population. Uh, Singapore has had one for a very long time, Malaysia. And all those places, uh, you know, the languages that Sikhs are speaking are the language of the vernacular of the place where they are. They're also all speaking English. And then Punjabi is also into the mix there as well in the Gurmukhi script. So in all of that, there's this interplay that's happening around the world where our community, the Sikh community, is becoming global. Uh, and Sikhi is a legacy of, of global, has, has a global perspective. And then when we look at the world today, we talk about 7 billion people, but we're moving from 7 billion to 10 billion people. So the, the total addressable market in Monbir Speak is actually getting bigger for us, for Guru Nanak's message. But these 7 billion people in the world today are facing a perfect storm of issues and challenges and things going on at an individual level and at a regional level and a global level that are, you know, the word unprecedented has become almost uh, 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 overused now because we talk about these perfect storms of, you know, obviously the pandemic and, and COVID-19 and what that's done to the economy, what that's done to our society and our interactions. But you layer on that climate change, uh, the slower pandemic of that. And then you layer on all of the social justice movements we have from Black Lives Matter to Indigenous First Nations Reconciliation in Canada to reconciling with the caste system in India and just general global inequality that we're facing in all different places. And But on the flip side, we have this technology that's allowing us and hundreds of people on this call today to join and connect and engage in different ways. But we're all, I would say, the anxious. <laughs> we're all in a place right now where we're nervous, we're anxious, we're uncertain. And we're looking for some direction. We're looking for some, um, I'd say, inspiration, motivation, some true north to help us guide through this, some moral compass to give us 
a set of principles and guidelines in which we can decide what needs to be done for ourselves, for our families, for our communities, for our economy, our business, and for the world. And in all of that, what is the role that Sikhi has to play? What is the role that the Guru's message, what is the role that the Guru's lifestyle, their history, their case studies of what they did when they faced uh, challenges and adversity, what did they do there? And what our way of life, what do we have to bring to the world? Because the Sikh community has been greatly influenced by external variables in good ways and in not so good ways. But how are we changing the world? How, what is, you know, what is the, going to be the Sikh contribution to the global narrative over the next, over the rest of the century, over this decade? In the, you know, we're in the 2020s and the rest of this year. So what is the role that our, our Guru Granth has to play in the inspiration of our Granth? And then what is the active role that a Guru Panth is going to be playing, our community that's going to be playing in that? So that's really the space that we're going to talk about together. We're going to talk at an individual level at our community level and that at a global level. And into this, we're gonna tie in all of the experiences that uh, Dr. Sani has from the corporate world, uh, all of the trends he sees, the books he's written, all the different forces that play there and how we can take advantage of those to really bring Guru's message to the world there. So with that, I'll uh, tee up my first question to, uh, uh, to Birji. Uh, really telling me a little bit about your, your journey uh, uh, of how you got to the point of, of being on a call with Sikri and talking about this topic and this experience and, and what you think you bring to it. And then um, most importantly, I want to know in all that, uh, how are you doing? Uh, COVID-19 has not been uh, uh, kind to many of us. And I know you've gone through many personal challenges right now, but there's, there's always the silver lining there. So I want to talk, I want you to talk about the silver lining in your world as well. So over to you to kick things off. Uh, and uh, welcome to all of you and thank you Kulvirji, for that uh, wonderful backdrop and introduction um, so um, as as was mentioned in uh, in in the sort of uh, introduction to me I have been on the faculty at uh, Northwestern University at the Kellogg School for almost 29 years uh, I like many of the Sikh diaspora uh, came to the United States uh, more than 30 years ago in search of opportunity, in search of higher education. Uh, you know, did my PhD at the University of Pennsylvania and uh, and then have been at, uh, at Kellogg since. And, and here I have uh, sort of been at the intersection of technology and marketing and innovation um, and, you know, have worked extensively with some of the larger technology companies as well as startups. So that's a little bit uh, in terms of my sort of professional background and uh, and as you can and, and as you can imagine uh, coming up to the present um, you know education as we know it has been turned on its head in fact could we just yesterday northwestern announced another change which is that all uh, sophomores and uh, mm -hmm. freshmen uh, are not going to be allowed on campus this was as of yesterday so wow. you know things are so fluid they're changing uh, and all all fraternities are being shut down because they uh, seem to not figure Super out how spreaders. To, they don't know how not to party so um, yes so anyway, so it's a very fluid situation and we have been affected by that too uh, by, by, and so in a professional sense it has been a challenging time i was actually asked by our dean three months ago to lead uh, uh, in a new position the associate dean for digital innovation at kellogg to kind of lead our our response so 
you know, we have pivoted, uh, we've gone virtual, and, uh, and actually we're finding that in virtual instruction, there are things that we could do that we couldn't do before. It turns mm. out that live streaming is more inclusive because you can now see more interaction through chat, through, you know, virtual hand raising. So there are ways in which we can engage people in, we can do breakouts uh, with random people so they get to meet people that they might not otherwise, because in a class you tend to sit together with people you know, uh, you tend to team up with people you know. So interestingly, you're finding that it's more, it's a more inclusive environment. It's the technology is a great leveler. Uh, and, uh, and, and of course, while, you know, you can't have that one-on-one -on -one social interaction, uh, but we've done virtual office hours where we sort of engage one-on-one -on -one with students. I, I, mm -hmm. I just hang out after the class when people come in into the chat rooms and, and we chat. So, um, so I think it was actually our, our, our evaluations as a school, as a, at a, as a university, were higher in the spring quarter than they were last year for the same quarter. So, mm -hmm. um, so that, that's, that's sort of been the – and similarly on the executive education front, uh, we've done the, you know, we've pivoted. Uh, we are, I'm, I'm doing, I was just reminiscing the other day, a month ago, I did three keynote speeches to three continents on the same day without moving, without moving a leg, right? I was sitting in the same chair. So, and, and I think I touched about a thousand people that day. So it's, uh, it's an interesting time. And I think that uh, <laughs> this embodies a value that comes straight from Sikhi and that is Chardi Kala, right? Mm. Like, the keeping a positive attitude, sort of seeing, uh, and and in fact, I wrote an article about this for some time back. But I said, you know, a pandemic is opportunity. Yes. You know, let's let's not waste a good crisis. Let's think about how we can actually innovate, disrupt. And and you and I both work in the innovation area, so we are now uh, looking beyond COVID to say the classroom will never be the same again. Teaching will mm -hmm. never be the same again. So let's now see how we can blend the best of digital with the best of physical to create innovative learning experiences. So that's kind of been my uh, professional journey up until this point. Uh, and as you mm -hmm. mentioned, uh, uh, we've had personal challenges. Uh, you know, as Pulveer, you know, I lost my mother to COVID just about 10 days ago, uh, you know, which was, uh, we're still sort of dealing with that loss. And uh, it is a it is a dangerous disease, at least, especially for the elderly. So, uh, so that's sort of the you know putting things uh, in perspective. Uh, that's where I you know so that's my yeah. my story up until this moment. Well, thank you for sharing there. Well, I, maybe um, uh, and again, my condolences uh, to to your, to your mom, who I had a chance to meet uh, just just last year. I think when we did a session in Chicago there yeah. as well, and and. Um, and, and you can see her influence over the entire Sony extended family there uh, mm -hmm. and your involvement with the community there. So tell me a little bit about how, uh, I, I bet you if you asked uh, Moonbeer Sony, you know, uh, 30 years ago when he first landed in, in the US and then, you know, Kulbir Singh on my end, you know, uh, coming out of undergrad, that, you know, here you are, we're gonna be in a pandemic and we're gonna have you guys do a webinar on, on Sikhi and uh, talking about how to be ambassadors of the faith and speaking about this to the rest of the world. and. And, and, you know, you would have been, well, what, what do I know about this stuff? <laughs> you know, I, I was certainly completely ignorant. I'm like, I'm not a Gani. I'm not a Granti. I'm not a Katavasik. I barely, I, I barely have my, I, I, the, the most elementary of handles on what it means to be sick. But yet here we are. How, tell me a little bit about your journey, whatever you're willing to share yeah. about. How have you cultivated your relationship with the Guru? And then let me add the COVID angle to it. How is that maybe, hopefully that relationship has deepened uh, yeah. during this time of yeah. isolation? Um. First of all, a disclaimer, I still know nothing, you know. <laughs> Keep that attitude. That is the spirit of, uh, 
you know, yeah. being a Sikh is that you're always a learner. And uh, and I you know, and I really like how Satya Nadella at Microsoft puts it. He says we should have a beginner's mind, right? So every day we wake up and saying, you know, the day you think that your cup is full, it will actually be empty. So if your and if your cup is empty, it will always be full of new insights. That's one of my favorite brand mm-hmm. quotes. So when I landed up here uh, in in 1989, um, you know, one of the interesting things is that one had never had to articulate who are you, right? Because you were living in India and people kind mm-hmm. of knew what Sikhs were. So uh, you know, Marshall McLuhan, uh, the media critic, once said that I don't know who invented water, but it probably wasn't a fish. So when, when a fish is taken out of water, it is only then that it appreciates the true nature of water. So similarly, when I was you know, put into this new situation where people looked at the turbine and they looked at me and said, what is this thing and who are you? I had to perfect my 30 second and my 60 second and my two minute pitch. Yep. Uh, and for that, I had to actually ask myself, who am I? What does Vicky mean to me? Because it's, uh, so this is sort of the, you know, the very interesting thing is that when we were growing up, as as all of us who are sort of first generation immigrants, you know, uh, I will make a big distinction between what I call organized religion, faith, and culture. These are three different ways to experience uh, the tradition that 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 we grew up in. Right. So when we were young, uh, what was really at the forefront was the practice of organized religion. Mm-hmm you know, going to Gurdwara, participating in Langar, doing, you know, you know all the the, the the part for Karna and so on. So it was sort of the, uh, and uh, and a lot of it was mandated, you know, by our parents. Uh, and, uh, and whenever parents mandate anything, you know, Newton's third law, equal and opposite reaction, we run in the opposite direction. So I actually was fairly, you know, uninterested, frankly, uh, because to me, that whole organized religion aspect um, uh, didn't hold a lot of it. It was not something I was doing voluntarily. It was not something I was really sort of engaged with. So I was strangely disassociated. So, but when I came to this country and I was forced to reflect, then I realized that my connection with the guru, my connection with the word can also be a very personal connection. It doesn't have to be institutionalized. And in fact, that is the that is the core message that we don't actually have to go to Gurdwara to pray. You know, you can you can have a, uh, you know, so a personal connection and you can pray at home. You can. So. So in terms of my relationship with the guru, with the word, it is really sort of progressed from organized religion to what I say, personal connection. Mm-hmm. It has progressed from words, reading the word to appreciating the meaning and it has progressed from sort of preaching or being preached to to really incorporating ideas into action so so i think it has been uh, a, a, a very sort of so now i reflect on much more the spirituality the faith the wisdom as opposed to the trappings and the the ritual now of course i still maintain my identity i still will go to gurdwara i will still you know yep. we, but i think that sometimes um we take these rituals as the truth. No, they are not. You know, I said so that one another my, one of my Zen fav- quotes, favorite quotes is, "Don't confuse the finger pointing to the moon with the moon, right?" So that that, that is not the the so so. I have then since then made an effort to really incorporate and internalize the values uh, 
And, uh, you know, to, just to give you a, you know, a couple of examples of values. One is humility, right? So it's like, you know, that home or sort of the, you know, uh, ego is, is, is the root of a lot of evil. Home uh, right? So it's mm-hmm. like, uh, so it's the, so that is something that, you know, I, I tell myself every day that, you know, you are not above anybody. You are not below anybody. Never forget where you came from. And never let this get to head, get to your head. All this, whether it is fame, fortune, you know, respect, and so on, and this is this is all temporary. This is all, yep. you know, uh, an illusion. Yep. This is all Maya. So it's, I think that really helps keep me grounded, personally and professionally. So that's a simple example of how one can yep. take a value like like humility and yep. you know what our gurus always preach that you know this is. Think of yourself, niche me, niche me at niche, right? You don't want to get yep. something, and that really helps you, helps keep you grounded. So, yeah. so I think it has been over time it's much more of a internalization and a personalization, um, and and I think that that is something that all of us really can do. So translate values into action, translate the word into you know, what it means to in your life. That's kind of what I've yeah. tried to do. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. And I've, and I've, you know, gone on a similar journey. My journey was uh, a similar internal journey, but my journey was different being born in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. I was in that uh, sticking out like a sore thumb from the day one, right? I was always unique. And I've always had, uh, had been questioned from day one on who are you? What is that? You know, what is your identity? What does it mean? And I, I, I came up with the elevator pitch pretty quick. Uh, you know, very early in my life, I knew what to say. I knew the response to everything, but it ne- wasn't necessarily what was internally felt by me. I just knew these are the things I, this is what a good sick would say when he's asked about these things. And what I discovered, my journey has been, I think, similar in the sense that the institutional religion, when it's left only to the external displays of religiosity, uh, becomes very hollow over time, yeah. right? So you go and you go through this stuff. But once you develop the internal connection with the guru, with the Barney, and it starts working its magic within you and the values start coming alive in you, then all of a sudden going to a Kirtan doesn't seem like a chore. It yeah. seems like a blessing, right? Going and doing seva doesn't seem like work. It seems like it, it really becomes an act of selfless service. It becomes an act of seva. And so I think the, the, the journey that, uh, and I, you know, we both have kids, I, I've been trying to do with my kids is, Less about, uh, yes, we attach them to the Gorbara, we attach them to the institution, but let them not be in their 20s and 30s before they start realizing right. that the roots of Sikhi are the connection to the Guru itself. Right? Right. Absolutely. So uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, you mentioned that you kind of had to go away from the institutions to do this. I, I want to, Dr. Herban Salad, who I know you all in, in Dallas, wrote a, come up with a blog article a couple of weeks ago talking about how COVID is decimating over organized religion. Because mm-hmm. organized religion was is kind of based on the monopolization of sacred spaces, that that you know, and 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 uh, and uh, at a at a at a physical level, but also at an intermediary level, right? <laughs> that you have to go to a certain place and you have to have a certain person pray for you in order to receive any kind of blessing or any kind of divine connection. And now all of that's been taken away because people have the tools at their disposal. Every religious text in the world, every sermon in the world is on your screen and you can mobilize yourself. And I have seen uh, an explosion of online Sangat happening. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can see this, uh, you know, just I, my kids right now are on a camp. Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, there's a camp going on, a government camp going on, and they 
are, uh, they wouldn't have been able to go there in person, but they're learning online and they're taking that away. And I know there's Gurbani discussions happening online there. There's all the tools that you're using to teach digital marketing online are actually now becoming tools for people to develop a deeper connection with their own faith and maybe to actually explore beyond that. So I don't know, have you been seeing that in your world as well? And how, how did the connection there? No, absolutely. I think that um, what we are fortunate in, 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 in Sikhi is that we never um, had intermediaries, right? We never yeah. gave, uh, uh, you know, we, the, 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 the priesthood um, any divine rights. Um, it was, uh, so, so our connection is direct. Our connection is personal. And it is a very democratized uh, notion. So, uh, for us, you know, uh, whenever you gather in the name, uh, that is that is where the sacred space is. So, uh, so in a sense, we have just had to rediscover uh, what is already part of our tradition. So, I have seen that indeed, uh, and uh, you know, and in in a way that that has actually made this connection deeper, because. Um, you know, when you every Sunday you can go through, go to Gurdwara and go through the motions. Yes. You can go through the motions and you can check a box somewhere saying that I've done my bit. I've been religious for this week. And church, you know, the whole, yeah, yeah. you know, but wow. uh, but now it's a little bit like you have to be intrinsically motivated as opposed to extrinsically motivated. And um, and it is something that you do for yourself. And by the way, we need more of that, right? We need, because this is a very stressful time. And while we are all very, for, you know, the pe most of the people on this call are fortunate. We have jobs and we have, you know, we are healthy, but there are people struggling and, and it is really a very uncertain time. So at that time, it is, it is, it is at these times that you need faith, that you yeah. need an anchor, you need a North Star, you know, so you need guidance. Um, yeah. So that is, uh, I think, uh, been a very comforting. And of course, with the personal challenges that I've gone through, it is also, you know, one one sort of goes back to the source. And yep. you know, it is it is like this that I think of Sikhi as this like infinite well. Our our, our our scripture is an infinite well. You can go to it and drink, and you can go and drink as deep as you want, as much as you want. Yeah. You know, and uh, so so one just keeps going back to the well and try to go deeper and deeper and you know that's that is something that has been accelerated uh, because we now don't have the opportunity or the excuse to kind of just go through the motions go through the motions there yeah in a way we've lost that um uh, you know that was a nice cover for us right we could yes. check the box and be a sunday sick now we'll talk in a minute here about um you know uh, Sikhi, our gurus were always uh, giving us the inspiration to transform our inner reality so we could transform the world and there's a role that we need to be playing in this COVID world of how we're supporting those who are right. less fortunate. And we do that. We'll get to that in a second here. But I want to talk, maybe uh, uh, get you to draw some connections back between your world and, and what we're talking about here is that um, I think many, and I've had, uh, and I'm speaking from experience here, where uh, I've had uh, many conversations with friends uh, who I didn't think were particularly religious per se, uh, who are now finding the space uh, in their life where there's something missing. And they're trying to, connect with Sikhi. And, you know, pre-COVID, they would have just started going to Gordra and and maybe stumbled their way through something. Maybe it would have been a great Katavajik that day or a particular shab that they were able to understand and they would have maybe been able to find the link. Um, but in this world right now where we're on with screens and people are learning, uh, uh, you know, all sorts of 
somewhat useful things like baking and sourdough bread making. <laughs> Others are acquiring, you know, learning uh, uh, critical, uh, learning musical instruments. And, and I don't know who these people are that have all this time because it has been, <laughs> it's not you or me, but, but people have been able to, you know, take courses online, take things online that are, and also find communities online of practice around these things that they that can they can support each other and gamify things and stuff. What's what is I, and I'll say this: what is what do we have? And then more importantly, what's missing right now in our community in our repertoire of maybe digital tools and 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 capital uh, you know online capital of things that are making it tough. Not we're not we're not talking about seven billion people, but even tough for the thirty billion people that we are now to really be able to help themselves to this, this nectar of, of knowledge? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very important uh, question. Uh, and I, and I'll, I'll, I'll for a minute speak like a uh, marketing uh, professor yeah. and talk about sort of what are, what are the barriers to adoption? Uh, this is, you know, if you think of, think of Sikhi and the scripture and its wisdom as an innovation, why is this innovation not diffused? Even you know, first within our community, but then to the, you know, concentric circles of of uh, people that we could influence uh, beyond our community. Um, so, I think that uh, that, that one, there are a few things that come to mind. One one is um, language. Mm -hmm. So language is is a constraint, and uh, you know, if we had, for instance, done this webinar in uh, Punjabi. Uh, it, uh, you know, its reach would have been, we would have been preaching to the converted, so to speak. So, um, so it is a, uh, I think it is a realization that uh, we have to uh, be open uh, about that if you want to attract the younger uh, audiences, if you want to uh, attract the, what I'd call the less interested or less committed audiences, you have to speak their language. You literally, and, and I mean it literally. And and I think that this is also reflective of uh, you know the 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 Granth Sahib that it was written in the languages of the day of the people of yeah. the people, right? It was, yeah. uh, and that was the problem that uh, that we faced with the Bhagavad Gita and Hinduism. That uh, since nobody spoke Sanskrit, since Sanskrit is a is a dead language. You then had this whole set of middlemen uh, as interpreters. So, yeah. so I think that to the, that that our guru showed us the way by saying, whether it is Braj or whether it is Pali or whether it is you know Farsi, whatever the language of the day is, speak in that language. And similarly today, we have to say, let's not get too hard, you know, too too ritualistic about ke guru mukhich nahi hai, we're not going to talk. We need to we need to make we need to make Sikhi user friendly. Right, so <laughs> technology analogy, you know, yep. we are uh, we are like Unix, you know, or an IBM mainframe, phenomenal technology, but we need to be like Apple, you know, we need to kind of improve the usability and ease of use so that we can uh, get the message out, uh, you know, to to so so that's that that's I think one, and I think that the other uh, thing is that we have to take full advantage of the medium of the technology of uh, and that is why, you know, I am a strong supporter of Sikri and the work that it does, because, uh, you know, we are using the platform to create content in different form factors, different, you know, for different persona and different journeys uh, so that, you know, 
whether it is the young or whether it is the elderly or whether it's you know by age group or stage in life or you know in fact i've also thought that maybe we should be segmenting by you know by by need by job to be done to use a technical mm -hmm. term that if i am depressed or if i am uh, have a substance abuse problem or if i have uh, you know marital problems and okay. what are the how do we connect uh, the 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 wisdom because the wisdom is 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 universe there's there's enough wisdom in the in the scripture that we have to serve all of our life's condition but making that surfacing it and making it connect it more closely with people and their concerns is 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 i think a gap that we need to continue to work on because uh, i was joking with kulveer that you know uh, when, we, when we were preparing for this webinar that uh, sikki may be the best kept secret you know on the planet mm -hmm. uh, the, the, so uh, so the message has to but the message cannot go broader beyond our community you know unless we uh, understand it ourselves you know it's a water only flows from a higher level to a lower level yeah. So yeah. we need to sort of be informed first. We need to absorb first. And once you absorb, only then you can transmit. Yeah. So a couple of great points there you picked up on. I, I think if I look at it right now, using your language, you know, we're not a very customizable uh, platform yet, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's one size fits all. It's uh, it's the Henry Ford. You can have any color you want as long as it's black. Yeah. Uh, you go to the Gordura and you get the experience that you get. And, and, and whatever's there on the main stage, is there and you know gorduras are run by uh, a certain demographic a certain gender a certain age and the content is usually most relevant to them by, by definition and then and everybody else kind of gets snippets of what things they like i i uh, my my good friends here in in toronto are part of uh, they invited me to their church they're they're christian and they invited me to this uh, uh very open inclusive church that they do in and they take over these auditoriums it's like a convention center that they take over almost and they walk in there and the family splits up. Uh, the kids, uh, they have a different room for every age, up to, you know, one grade one, two, three, up to, up, and then they have a room for teenagers, and then they have a room for young adults, and then there's the main room where the grown-ups are. And the content, this is their Devon, their Sunday morning program, is completely age-appropriate in that. And the material that they share and stuff is all done in that way. And I think, you know, what you're talking about is I think, Sikhi is universal, but the application of it needs to be right. for individual needs because, you know, uh, uh, the the depression one, you know, you talk about that as a use case. I may need that at one point, but the other one is actually I need motivation and inspiration. I need another one is like, how do I take things to the next level? I have ambition. And how does Sikhi give me right. the ambition to change the world? And and at different stages of our journey, I know you've done this. We've done this a couple of times within Sikhi. It's like mapping the experience from uh, uh, from awareness to transformation. Right. So so you know this and and our, our I think our, our challenges right now is everything is 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 made for uh, everyone, which means it's not for anybody. Uh, so maybe speak a little bit to that. how do we get better at that? How do we get and and I think you alluded to this is that we actually need uh, uh, more people generating the content who are connected themselves because it's only if you're only having a certain people uh being the messengers then everything if, if only shakespeare writes all you're listening to is, is reading is shakespeare then yeah. so how do we broaden the tent in terms of the articulation of these experiences for larger for, for more for more use cases i'd say yeah i think uh by the way as you were speaking one one thought that occurred to me is that uh we're talking about a segmentation problem right and that one size fits all versus uh, customization but yeah. <laughs> again if we really go back to our gurus 
what is the hukum? What is the wah? It is actually personalization. Right? It is yep. literally that we are told that if you have faith, uh, you will open the book and it will speak to you personally for that situation, that context. And it does if you yeah. do have faith, right? So uh, so I guess they understood the concept not only of segmentation, but mass customization. Segment of one. Mass customization, right? Yeah, <laughs> segment of one. So and, and that segment of one is also not as you said, that today I might be looking for inspiration. Uh, tomorrow it might be I'm dealing with an adverse uh, situation. So the word speaks to us, right? So, um, but in, but I think that the uh, the point you made is uh, is an important one in terms of uh, getting the message across. Uh, people respond more to people like themselves. You know, birds of a feather flock together. So, yeah. if we want to reach a diverse audience. We need to have diverse people. So, you know, so I, I like to say that if you want to have uh, uh, diverse conversations, you have to have diverse voices, right? So, um, so that is something that we have to think about. And this may be, for example, one thing I can think about is different walks of life, right? So maybe it's a physician, maybe it's an artist, maybe it's a teacher, maybe it's an academic, maybe it's you know a social worker. So uh, how? Um, these values and these messages manifest themselves for, for different people in different walks of life, different stages in their lives. Uh, so I think that uh, that that would be of, of great benefit because uh, it's very important for people to have role models. Similarly, if I am like if I'm a high school student, I don't want to listen to some Uncle G or Auntie G giving me a gyan because you know they're like you guys don't get it. But if it's another uh, Pure, and this is why I, you know, I really like the Siddhak concept because you are in a community of peers. So we need to think about how we can create these peer groups, how we can create more diverse voices, um, uh, because it's almost like it's it's one message, but it yeah. has to be communicated in many languages and many contexts for many audiences, and we have to just broaden and make more diverse the set of people who we are using as ambassadors, as spokespeople, um, and, uh, and 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 we have to be much more inclusive in, in recruiting those those voices uh, as opposed to some sort of, uh, you know, you have to have served for 10 years on some, you know, board <laughs> somewhere, sure. in a Gurdwara or some, you know, cultural society to be able to. So I think the yeah. uh, sort of the man of the street or the woman on the street persona uh, yeah. who's uh, so I, and 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 I think the other thing we can do is to really play up the fantastic work that is being done in service and in relief, whether it is the you know Khalsa uh, uh, aid or whether it is just you know disaster response and even in COVID times, I think one of the things, the messages that has gotten a fair bit of press and PR is the Gurdwaras and in the Sikh community is how they've been helping out with feeding people with langar, you know, whether yeah. both in India and in the United States. So, um, so those things yeah. we we take we take community for granted. We take sangat for granted. We take langar for granted. We take seva for granted. But you know, it's 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 actually a great story. It's a great story yes. to be told. It is. It's a natural competitive advantage, right? You'll say, right. right? So, so to, to transition over, I think what, what I'm hearing from you is is we we really. Uh, if we want to try to take a guru's message to attempt to take it to 7 billion people and, and a much broader, much more diverse set of 
uh, of audiences, uh, we have to actually then curate a very diverse set of ambassadors. And, and what we need to do is take that message and come up with the personas, as you say, is that, and I think this is the hard work our generation needs to do is as we establish ourselves in different careers, different walks of life as artists, as, as the doctors, the lawyers, but the engineers, but the activists in all the different places there is really interpreting uh, the sick experience for that right. space, right? Uh, you know, uh, I have friends who are doing social work and they're treating trauma right. uh, uh, through, through a sick lens and treating addictions through a sick lens, treating, melta, you know, addressing mental health through a sick lens, addressing, you know, all these things there. And I think, so that's, you know, in a way building the, the knowledge base, the repository of talking points, of, 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 of uh, the curriculum that we can then actually take out to the world. Because I think right now, you know, my opening tee up is what is Siki going to offer to the world around, uh, around Black Lives Matter, around global inequality as a response to capitalism? Well, to be honest, I don't think any of us really have thought a lot about that and haven't really been able to articulate that. We don't have, you know, scholars or we don't have intellectuals. We don't have as many activists who've done that hard work. But as we do that, I think what you're saying is that that really then puts us in a position to be uh, spokespeople uh, for for that group. Well, I mean, again, in those you people. know that 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 you know Black Lives Matter is a is a recent uh, slogan, but um, you know go, go back to scripture. Allah Allah Noor Upaya Kudrat Ke Sab Bande Ek Noor Te Sab Baleko Monday. I mean the 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 message of universality, the message of you know sort of uh, see all men and women the same. See all faiths are the same. Uh, you know, we 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 have these jewels that we've been sitting yeah. on, and they've been sitting in a locker. You know, so we just need to first understand the wealth that we actually have, yeah. and then be in a position to actually uh, translate it into the languages and the context that 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 will connect with people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now let's let's transition over and, and we'll I, I see lots of comments and questions coming in. So we'll uh, I, I think we're kind of getting to the end of our arc, uh, Virgie, and then we can take some of the questions. From Absolutely. The there. Um, so so, you, you know, you refer to uh, uh, what uh, has been part of our DNA from day one around this uh, sense of service that we see no difference between the creator and the creation. And in fact, we see the, the, the spark of the divine in, in all of creation. So for us, uh, that's why Seva and Simran are in the same breath. An hour of contemplation of the divine and an hour of service of the creation are one in the same for us. And so this sense of giving back and not just helping others, but help, uh, bringing others to a state of self-reliance. So our job is not to keep giving people food, but to help them get them back on their feet. So right. we're safety nets for society, but we're also springboards for society. And I think those roles have really been highlighted, as you said, during this period uh, uh, and and uh, I've been very pleased with, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a country where there are six are where the Gordaras have not mobilized and local communities are not mobilized to uh, uh, serve the, need, you know, the needs of the newly unemployed. You know, so many people are beset, as you said, with the problems of COVID and the and we're just starting to come to grips, I think, with the economic toil that th this is going to have on on our on our societies. But this, but we know the six communities have scaled up to at least feed people today and tell those stories or what the question I have for you is, is right now that those are great anecdotes and and how do we take those in putting your marketing hat back on how do we take those to really be the you know the tip of the sparrow that you know you love that come and learn about why we do what we do right come and learn the source right you've seen the 
that's kind of the trailer for this to keep, but come and learn about the source behind it. But then also on this humanitarian stuff right now, I'll say these are great, but they're all kind of still bandage solutions. They're still one off. There's no, you know, call aid is becoming one of the big, you know, few global organizations we have there, but you know, a community of 30 million. Uh, I look at any other tradition like that, they'd be standing up dozens of these international organizations focused on the stuff there. So maybe speak first about, about how we uh, take advantage of this moment and the spotlight that we're getting to maybe spin into formalization and more institutionalization mm -hmm. in a good way of our efforts for scale and acceleration. So, uh, you know, Kulveri, I, read, I wrote a book about five, six years ago, and it was called Fewer, Bigger, Bolder. And the argument that that, that we made in that book was, uh, that when you try to do a lot, you actually accomplish very little. Uh, mm. So you have to sort of really focus on uh, fewer, bolder initiatives. And and I think that um, that may be one one piece of advice I have. You know, from from a community standpoint, that uh, let us not try to be the sun to give everybody a warm glow, uh, but let's try to be a laser beam. That 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 even with a lot of so a little bit of energy can really burn a hole. You know, it's yeah. about focus. So maybe we pick up a couple of themes. Maybe it's you know domestic violence, or maybe it's you know uh, equality, uh, or, mm -hmm. or, or or maybe it's you know mental health. We we need to sort of put our more wood behind fewer arrows, and just like Khalsa aid is to you know disaster relief. Yep. What can we be to maybe women's rights or what can we be to, you know, marriage equality or what, you know, so we have to really kind of sharpen our focus on a couple of themes and then put an organization behind it and get people from those walks of life behind it. Uh, so that I think would be a uh, more focused way of thinking about Seva and about community and about getting the message out. Uh, so maybe if we try a couple of these initiatives in a more focused way, uh, that would be a you know because you know when you are when you are few, uh, you know you have to you you can't take everything head on. I mean this was also true of our the Sikh warriors, right? They always fought a guerrilla war. They never went. They always did judo. They didn't do judo. We don't go head to head. So don't, we yeah. shouldn't. You know, we can't wrestle all the world's problems to the ground. Yeah. Uh, what we need to do is to really pick a couple of. Uh, Themes that I think are uh, that are urgent, that may you know that 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 resonate, and then put our uh, our, our energies behind those to make a meaningful impact. Absolutely, absolutely. And I I think the, the 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 two that come to mind are the ones in a way we've talked about. The first is food. You know, yes. for us, and this is you know our culture, our DNA, and maybe the Punjabi side of us. You know, uh, uh, there's always there's always more than enough food to go around. In our history, we've been all, able to. And I, I say, and this ties to the second one around fighting for equality and human yeah. rights is that we we may not, uh, you know, how do we show allyship with our other yes. other communities, right? Because we don't I, we don't know the black experience or the indigenous experience or, you know, these the communities, but yet we're hamdardi, we're empathetic to them and we want to stand in solidarity. And I saw a great example here of the youth here over the last few years where these protests have happened. They've gone to these protests, but not empty handed. Yeah. They go with samosas and cha, and they feed the movements. They feed the communities. And so I think there's this, this I think, uh, uh, and, and, you know, and, and you know that I'm a part of the Siva Food Bank, and we've been able to do so much change in our local communities around that. And I, I, I come back to that. I think food is, is an easy one yeah, for I us. Food is, a, is, not food going is a, in basketball terms, it's a layup. 
you know it's, yeah. it's, it's some, something it's that slam is, dunk <laughs> and, uh, and 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 always you know Sikhs and Punjabis can't be removed too far from food anyway so uh, so it is very yeah. it is very authentic it's uh, yeah. it's it's something that uh, and 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 it's and and it's I think one area where we have touched communities beyond us in a very meaningful and a significant and impactful way. So that's certainly an area. And I think absolutely the other thing, uh, our domain is equality. Uh, you know, sort of the all lives matter, uh, you know, whether they be black or brown, but, you know, yeah. but this really striving for that, uh, uh, that, that, that message, but, but in a, in a, in a, in a targeted way, sort of bringing yeah. something to that conversation and not, just, of course, you need to be joining the protests and you need to be part of that, as my children are, they're doing. Yes. But, you know, adding something to that conversation, to that discourse. Yes. Uh, well, uh, and then I think that's the larger narrative here, right, is that how do we add? So I think we can add something ideologically from the Guru's yeah. message of equality, uh, but also practically uh, around mobilizing to fight uh, uh, hunger and, yeah. and, and fight bad and feed the, you know, the troops fight on their stomachs, as they say, right? Uh, yeah. So how do we how do we provide that to them? So. Fantastic. Um, I, I, if you're if you're okay with this, I would love to maybe pick up some of the questions here sure. uh, from the audience here, and, and then we can uh, close things out. So this has been fantastic. So some of these may go back to some of our earlier other pieces there. So uh, Sukjot had a uh, from Toronto. Sukjot Kaur had a question around uh, the benefit of non-Punjabis coming into the Sikh. And I'm going to take a little bit of liberty with this. Is that um, the Punjabi culture has has a lot of gifts associated with it, but there's a bit of a legacy to it as well. Uh, and and you know, think of caste system and gender stereotypes and stuff. But people coming in fresh, and we've seen this with some of the you know Caucasian Sikhs coming into. What's the what's the benefit of and and maybe the challenge of people coming in non-Punjabis coming into the faith right now, and how can we support them in their journey? Yeah, I think that uh, it 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 really enriches the community because. Uh... You know, when they, they come with a different, so you know, we remember we, we were talking about culture, faith, and organized religion as sort of three different uh, legs of a stool. So they approach faith, but they come from a very different cultural experience. And I think that enriches the community because in some sense, they don't have the baggage uh, that, that, that we might have. So yep. it, is, it is, I think, absolutely in our interest to help welcome uh, people with, with, with open arms because uh, uh, their experience, uh, you know, it's sort of like we're all converging on the same message, but yep. we're coming at it from different cultural experiences. And I think that is just, uh, I see it, I see it primarily, I see it as an asset. And I think that what we have to do as a community is not be judgmental. Very much That's so. something that I find sometimes people say, Oh, gee, Langar, uh, uh, you know, Jameen Tani Baike Khande. Oh, you know, why are they, uh, you know, singing Shabads in English? And, you yep. know, that's not right. I think just oh, no, uh, no. That, is, that is very much against what the gurus had told well, I've been I've been reading a lot of the anti-racism sentiments there, yeah, uh, yeah. the books. And I think I think our own biases come to the forefront here when others right. from other communities, you know, on one level, say we invite all, all to, you know, the gurus, Lunger is open to everyone, and then, uh, but it's it's also welcome to everyone without judgment. And yeah, and, I mean, it's and, like my my son was in uh, Argentina for six months, doing a some semester abroad, and he went to uh, he actually found the Gurdwara there in yeah, Buenos Aires, yeah. and uh, and he would go there, and he said everything is done in Spanish, right? Mm -hmm. And they have and they have you know enchiladas and whatever and yep. uh, empanadas for for Lunger. So. And and it's it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing that the uh, I, I, you know I, I I, I'm actually far more concerned about when people try to the thing that I don't 
uh, that I'm against is people becoming gurus, right? So that the 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 the, the so-called sort of uh, the Baba you know, the, the, yeah. the, 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 the sons and the mahants and all that. Yeah. That to me, so so you can you can bastardize the cultural experience, no problem, because that's enriching. But you don't bastardize the spiritual. No. The, and that is somebody needs to be guard against. Yeah, someone said to me, is, is that, you know, there's this 10% of the Sikh experience that is divine, that is perfect, that is, you know, directly descended from the gurus. And then there's all these things that the other 90% is what six of the time have done in response to the situation, right? And, and, and those responses have changed over time. And I think what we've done is we've taken that 90% and locked it in with the 10%. Correct. And we have not adapted. Uh, to the time that we're in. And so things have to be done a certain way. And why do we do it? Well, because we, we've always done it. Well, we actually haven't always done it. We just have always done that for the last period of time. And yeah. it, was, it was always dependent on the situation. And the important thing is that that 10%, by the way, which should be 90%, yes. is timeless. That message, you know, mm-hmm. from 550 years ago yep. to now, its relevance will never change yep. because the universal truth. But the cultural interpretation of you know how we practice our day-to-day lives, yes. that has to change with the times. And in fact, if we don't change that, we become yep. irrelevant. So yep. sort of yep. that sort of the uh, the right balance between timeliness and timelessness is something yes. that we need to strive for. We have to do that. And and then, then you know we still have the Khalsa, we still have the identity, we have all yeah. the rituals that come from the gurus. And so how do we keep those? But I agree that how do we how do we adapt uh, to the times that are there? Somebody had a question of how can we make, and maybe this is, uh, you spoke a little bit about this in your experience in the classroom. How can, uh, he says, can cyber Sangat be as strong and personal as a face-to-face Sangat in spiritual development? So we know that's not, nothing is as important. You know, you and me sitting in a room would be, there's nothing close to that. But maybe speak a little bit about what you've done in your experiences, classroom or otherwise, to make it much more uh, uh, personable and how, how, we can, how we can help out there with, uh, with people yeah. who are trying to find Sangat online. Yeah, I think that um, in, in in they're complementary. Uh, there are there are things that uh, you can do in a in a digital uh, uh, way and a sense that you you could you cannot do in person. For example, small group discussions, uh, you know, communities uh, or like what what we call like the breakout rooms, or yeah. you know, or um, the fact that you can, uh, there is no limitation of geography. You know, this is one other thing we're finding that many of our programs can now be global because we don't have to worry about people having to travel. So, so we take the benefit of that, and uh, but we need to adapt. Cyber Sangat, you know, can't be done for three hours. It has to be done in probably in bite-sized pieces. Probably the attention span is about as long as this webinar and no longer. Um, but even that is a stretch. So I think we have to adapt to the medium. What we should not do is to apply old thinking to a new medium. We have to apply new yep. thinking to a new medium. Uh, but hopefully, you know, once COVID passes, it is not all about cyber. As we're finding in the classroom, we're going to sort of incorporate both these ideas and bring them together in a whole that is richer. So maybe part of our Sunday school that we do for the kids can be still be done online so that yep. if they can't come to the Gurdwara particular week, they can still get exposure to that. But on the other hand, I think that uh, the, the the concept of people in the same physical space communing, you know, and that is what the word Sangat is, is uh, there's, there's something rich about Amen. that. But right now, those physical communal experiences are happening yep. inside our homes. 
but yeah. you know we return back so i think we need to take the both best of both and combine it into a, a synergistic yeah. whole this is what we're doing in the classroom and i think this is what we need to do with our own experience. well a very simple one that we've done in our government school here in, in mississauga is that uh, when we went virtual we were able to bring in guest speakers who would have never been able to fly to right to all the way up to Toronto to talk to a to talk to a bunch of young people, but yet they could all take an hour out to be on a Zoom call and have this experience with them. So I think you're right there. I think it is it is realizing that there's uh, there's a gift to this virtual that we need to, and it's really the the mirroring uh, sorry the bringing the two together when we're able to uh, in that point in time. So good. Um, question from the uh, Pinder uh, Patia, who I think was uh, a uh, running. Used to be great to run into you in the halls of Steinberg, Dietrich, while you were oh, a PhD student. Yeah, it's been yes. <laughs> yes, he says, thank you. Yeah, Wharton, 92. He says, thank you, Dietrich, for, for this beautiful talk. Question for you. As a uh, open-minded intellectual that you are, uh, do you feel that any one religion is necessarily the right way over time for an individual to connect with the almighty creator? In your own case, are there multiple threads of different religions that are filtering into your personal philosophy? as you evolve in your own search and connection with the creator? Um, so, you know, I'm not fully qualified to answer that question. All I can say is that, um, that if the, you know, if, if the Ganges is flowing in your backyard, your duty is to first drink from it before you explore other, other rivers. So uh, we have such a rich uh, tradition, rich, uh, uh spiritual wisdom and i'd say also perhaps in the scheme of world religions the most contemporary mm -hmm. uh you know if you read the dasam granth and if you read you know guru gobind singh ji's the chitranatak uh, i say he had the benefit of hindsight you know mm -hmm. so he talked about all that came before so in some sense you know the sikh uh tradition and spirituality is has the benefit of looking at all traditions past and in sure. some sense, you know, synthesizing and building on top. So yeah. I have not found the need to go elsewhere. And in fact, I would be sort of delinquent in my duty if I didn't first mine my backyard you know, before I explored elsewhere. So, yeah. uh, so I think that uh, what, what, in fact, what the gurus teach us is that all religions point in the same direction. So yep. there is no inferior, no superior, you know, this is different things by different names. But I think we, you have grown up with a particular way to experience the divine, a particular way to connect with. So why yep. not, you know, uh, go along with that. I think that yep. uh, certainly our tradition is, uh, is no inferior. I wouldn't say it's superior. I just say it's different. But, um, you know, it's good enough for me and more than good enough for me. And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, into it. <laughs> yeah and, and absolutely. And it does not exclude us from yeah, um, right. from 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 inspiration from anywhere. I, you well, you traveled even more than I did. You know, some of the most uh, inspiring spiritual conversations we've ever had have been on airplanes, sitting yeah. next to somebody who had never heard of a sick before, and yet we learn more from that person than we would in other cases. So, and there are resonances that yeah. you find, you know, and and I think you should continue to find. It's uh, you know when we were doing. Uh, the Antim Ardas for my mother two weeks ago. So the Shabad we sang was Jyoti Jyotarali, you know, Jal Ka Jal Huaram. So it means the light has merged with the light. And I was just reflecting what they say in, in, in the Bible, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Yes. 
right? It's this, it's this, it's the same idea, jal ka jal hu aram, right? So it is really the uh, so 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 time and again, I will be talking to you know a Jewish friend, or I'll be talking to a Muslim friend, or I'll be talking to you know uh, or be a Hindu friend. I'm like, wait, this. This is this is the same thing, but you know what we agree upon are the truths. What we disagree on on are the untruths. Yeah, yeah. You know, whether you know your temple needs to be built here or there. I mean, those are not those are not truths. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, so another question we have from I just the initials here, KS, and, and I'll I'll summarize it. It was around. You know, we talk about that the need to speak the vernacular, uh, the language of the day, uh, especially to reach young people, right? Um, so. You know, outside of Punjab in India, you know, Hindi and English have to be there. Here it's English and South America, it's going to be Spanish and everything. But right. but but there still is, you know, uh, uh, you know, I can translate Shakespeare into any language in the world. But at the end of the day, if I want to truly experience Shakespeare, I have to come back to the base language there. So maybe speak a little bit about how do we plant the seeds for those who are outside of the Punjabi you know, experience or the traditional Sikh world? How could we think about that? That we, you know, because translations are actually interpretations, and and you know everyone has their own. But at the end of the day, you have to come back to the source material, right? Because a derivation of a derivation, derivation is going to take us to different places. So how can we, how how you know, have you seen ways that uh, that people can do that? And what's the balance look like? And how, you know, where in the adoption curve do you kind of make, bring them into the fully authentic experience? Yeah, I, I, I'll tell you, I'll give you a um, couple of examples there that, uh, you know, my, my wife is, is Hindu, um, and, uh, but she has become very, you know, interested in the, uh, in, in, in the faith, the scripture, and, and since she, she writes and speaks Hindi, she's actually picked up Gurmukhi, and she actually does the part, and she's able to read. Uh, so, so I think a little bit of effort, if you have some background in any Indian language, you can do that. Um, but I think um, where we have failed dismally, and I will say really failed dismally, as a, not only as Sikhs but as Punjabis, is there is no good place to learn Punjabi. There's no great place to learn Gurmukhi. I mean, there is um, even Google fails us, right? So it's like it. it uh, uh, so my son is going through that experience right now. He's like, I gave up. He says, I do. I where do I find, you know? non-judgmental language instruction because my son speaks six languages but indian punjabi is not one of them yet i mean he's now yep. i think he's and why because whenever he would try to speak people would laugh at him so he says i'm better off speaking spanish he speaks spanish portuguese mandarin yep. arabic because nobody's judging him yep. so we should stop judging folks in our homes totally and tell your aunties and uncles and your grandparents that you know, correct. Encourage them. Totally. You know, encourage them. It's like when you go to when you go to a foreign country, if you speak a few sentences of Spanish in Mexico, they're they they love you for it and they don't tell you that's the wrong accent. Somebody right? does that with a Punjabi. Oh. Somebody just says Sasri called to us and we invite him to our home. But yeah. when our own children struggle yeah. with the language, we 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 judge yeah, them. And we judge uh, them and we laugh at them and we and, and, then, and we have they, spaces for young children. Uh, but one yeah. of the beautiful examples and was short lived was one of the Gurmat schools here started a parents Punjabi class. Uh, while the kids were learning Punjabi, they actually recognized that there are many people have never had a chance, didn't grow up in a home where Punjabi was spoken during their primal, in their early years. So now they're parenting and they're trying to connect their kids with the language, but they themselves don't have the skills right now. Right. And it was a wonderful conversational space that was created to do that. And people loved it and it thrived. And 
you know, the thing with language is you don't have to, yes, you can take a university course, and, you know, we can create duolingos, but those that speak it, uh, again, part of the ambassadorial role we all have, I think is, is a way to make it easier for others to come into the, the tent as well, I think is a, is a big part of what you're saying. Well, yeah. Um, good. Uh, just, a, just a time check. Uh, uh, our, our wonderful host, I don't want to get kicked out here, but Minder, how are we doing for time and are we ready to wrap up? Um, yeah, we still have about 25 minutes if we'd like to okay. continue oh, yeah, oh, doing some questions. Oh, okay. I, we are, uh, I, you know, time flies. When you have, I thought it oh, goes the other way. So let me, um, uh, let me pop through a few, couple of other questions here. So, um, so I guess maybe this is one where it's, it's this is a tough one because uh, we all struggle with this. And I have a friend who's going through this right now around identity. And I, I got I called I got her call from a dear dear friend uh, from from Delhi just this week, and his twenty um, year old uh, raised the question that is you know the the cuts to the heart of any sick father uh, around uh, around keeping of the hair, keeping of the the beard and the the star the mm -hmm. turban right and and so he called me in that moment of crisis because his uh, nineteen twenty year old at that time is 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 going through that now why do I need to keep this why can't I just be you know don't I just need sticky on the inside, not the outside and stuff? So as we, uh, I don't want to put you too much on the spot, but as we think about from, you know, the, the sick community to 7 billion, the identity is certainly not something, it, the, the identity falls in the 10%, right? It's not, the identity is not in the 90%. But how do we, not from a place of guilt or fear or mandating, but how do we make the identity as a badge of pride, honor, love, that you wear it with, uh, uh, you know, you wear it with such a sense of joy uh, that that you relish the opportunity for somebody to ask you about it to be identified as a sabbat. How do we, how, you know, it's like how do we make them as very vocal, visible advocates and 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 in love with their affiliation with this as opposed to seeing it as a burden and, and responsibility. So maybe from a bit of a marketing angle, but obviously you have a son as well, so a personal angle as well. Yeah, so I'll, I I'll respond to this. Uh sort of in a uh, more serious sort of spiritual way, but then I'll respond to it in a marketing way, in a more flippant way. Right? Uh, so in a more serious note, I think that uh, identity is an outcome of belief, not a manifestation. So what I mean by that is that uh, faith and belief comes first and then you develop a pride in identity. But if identity is imposed uh, without sort of that connection, without that sort of you know affiliation or identification, uh, then it becomes like the you have to learn how to play the tabla, you know, or, or you have to know how to do part. So it becomes a so it becomes a rebellion. So uh, my personal take on it, and I have two children, and by the way, they are you know, mixed uh, race because my, my ex-wife was uh, is, is Christian. And, um, you know, they have embraced the identity. Uh, I say that as parents, maybe we keep them long enough in the identity yeah. that they, where they have maybe turned their 10 or 12 they can years backfill, That they can backfill the three pieces. Yeah, and because uh, it's easy to leave, it's not easy to come back. Uh, but then um, have them sort of discover and experience the faith themselves. So now my 
children are advocates for identity, you know, but that's not. so I think one of the things you have to realize as a parent is you don't have control over your children, right? So this is what <laughs> Khalil Gibran also told us, your children are not your children, you know, so you, you, you only have the illusion of control. All you can do is to put them on the path and they will be seekers, they will be Sikhs, right? So that's the, yeah. so I think that is the, um, uh, the, the way I look at it. And um, if, if, you, if you lose that battle, uh, you know, so be it. Because it's the it's it's uh, it's not something you, that you want to impose or you want to you know it's, it's 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 really and I have seen by the way I have seen children and I have seen people come back of they course come back once you know so there's there's always that now on the, on the marketing front folks you know wearing this turban is a huge competitive advantage I have always seen identity as a source of uh, strength as you know uh, people don't forget me people remember me uh, and it is always you know it's not and it's not always easy listen it's not always easy because you do stand out but on balance standing out to me has always been uh, a source of strength a source of competitive advantage I mean when I do I do a lot of public speaking for a living and public speaking people may have eight speakers uh, you know that's that that's that 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 speak but they'll remember the guy with the turban so uh, I think that it is, uh, uh, you know, I have now lived, worked uh, in the United States for 30 years. I have consulted for dozens of Fortune 500 companies. I have spoken all around the world. And, and I've always felt that, um, that, 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 that the identity has been a source of strength for me. So, so I think that is from a, from a marketing standpoint. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things we teach is positioning and differentiation. And our gurus had figured this out, you know, 300 some years ago that uh, you will never be able to blend into a crowd. That's what Guru Gobind Singh Ji said to us, right? I will never yeah. let you hide. And actually, when, you know, if you, if you, if you don't hide, uh, be proud of who you are. So, yeah. so I, you know, I, I be able to get a badge of honor as a... As, as a source of strength, and uh, and yes, there is the occasional discrimination. There's the occasional, you know, uh, more born out of ignorance than out of hate and, and and bigotry. Of course, there are hate crimes, and don't I'm not trying to minimize that, uh, but I think that is a minority. The most of most in, in most cases, it is still a source of strength. But but you have to realize it as such. You have to. It has to come from. It's funny thing is identity is what is seen on the outside, but it really is comes from the inside out. If it is imposed from the outside, you're going to fight back. You're going to resist. You you uh, you made me chuckle because it was the very first of your talks I heard, I think, uh, almost 15 years ago was uh, was at an event uh, where you spoke about uh, the geni the marketing genius of Guru Gobind Singh uh, in terms of identity, you know, creating the Sikh identity and the and the and the form that, uh, you know, people spend billions of dollars trying to differentiate their product in the marketplace, but yet, <laughs> you know, uh, the six don't spend a penny and yet uh, uh, we stick out in a crowd of, of, of millions there. Um, the, the, the other, you're, you're talking about this blossoming of identity is, uh, somebody explained, you know, the identity, the roof to us, to me as it's the fruit on the tree. It's the beautiful apple, the beautiful shiny apple on the tree and the tree will only produce the beautiful apple if it has a robust root system, leaves, yeah. branches. It's getting enough sunlight. It's getting enough water. It's getting all the other things get right to produce that apple. 
And there may be on, an apple on it now, but if the roots are drying out and the leaves are turning yellow and all those things are happening over time, the, the, the apple is going to fall and, and the, the external is going to fall apart there. And, and I think there's a couple of questions there around people coming into the faith, uh, sometimes get enamored with the identity. And I think a lot of our culture, Sikh culture mm -hmm. is focused on the identity, you know, and we often, we hear this in our own communities and our families, as though that's yeah. kind of veneer that can paint over all the other deficiencies in the person there. And then, and I think where we have seen people who end up uh, giving up, casting aside the hair or the, or the invisible identity is, is, is in almost every case, it's because the roots, the connection to Barney, the connection to the Garant, the connection to the community had not gone deep enough to really keep the fruit alive. And I think when people come back, they don't they don't come back start wearing a turban right away they actually develop the roots they develop a connection with the guru and then slowly slowly as they say over time i think then the fruits it, you know it bears fruit after that so yeah absolutely absolutely yeah um, that is also i think uh, a a very important word of warning that uh, you don't you don't uh, tell uh, how good a sikh somebody is by looking at technical compliance with the five Ks, you know that you're eighty percent, sixty percent. Oh God, you know that is these are symbols, uh, and and I think symbolism is important. I'm not minimizing that, but uh, yeah. uh, but I, I you know I, I totally agree with your comment. Just because you're wearing a turban doesn't make you a better Sikh. It's it's oh, wow. it's it's, it's you practiced. I have a uh, Chicago Bills. I have a Chicago Bulls jersey. If I put that on, no one's going to confuse me for Michael Jordan, right? Michael Jordan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There. Good. Um. Uh. A bit of a pivot here right now, and I want to maybe uh, take this in a different direction. There's a question around. You know, we talked about that this world of seven billion is there's so much trauma and anxiety and and angst in the world about things that are happening right now, but also every I'll say every human being, and this is 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 has in some way over the course of their life experienced trauma. And that could be trauma, uh, you know, that was done, you know, sometimes it's abuse that was done to them. Sometimes it's um, uh, trauma that they've gone through themselves, poor, you know, maybe tough decisions or now in retrospect, difficult or wrong decisions that they made based on what they were, you know, what, what they had, but they're in this position where they're, they're dealing with a lot of, they're dealing with, there's a, a great deal to heal in their life. And and Bonnie can be a malama on that, but maybe I have a couple of thoughts that I can start with. But I would love to hear your thoughts on how you know, in maybe in your own life or where you've seen the magic of Sikhi work as this as uh, you know, Miravad Guru Gubinda. We talk about this. How, how how can Sikhi be healing in that in that space? If you have any experience in that, or thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, as I think that uh, trauma and um, uh, adversity is uh, is part of our lives. It's 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 very much sort of the yin and yang of existence. And uh, uh, and and we uh, when 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 you go through those down periods, and when I just went through it personally, right, just a couple of weeks ago, was one example of that. But you know, you go through divorce, you go through illness, you go through bereavement. You go through uh, economic loss, you know, unemployment, job, job loss, and so on. Um, so I think that what I'll just be very personal here in, in, in my experience that I drive, derive solace from, in those circumstances, have done so, from the realization that um, 
this too shall pass. You know that uh, it, that that this that everything we see around us is is temporary. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's really sort of you know um, that and that it is not a uh, something that will persist past a certain point in time or even past this life. So yeah. So that is one uh, way in which sort of uh, I, I, I personally have tried to get past things in the realization that that if there is darkness, there will be a there will be a sunrise tomorrow, and that is sort of what yep. we learn. Jagarachana, yep. bahijo balu ki bhit. You know, things are yep. it's like sand dunes. It's like you know, it's like you know, jalte upje budbuda. You know, so. Yep. So it's like, so the Navamalek Shlok actually are, to me, one of the most comforting. <laughs> I read it and I, and it is, you just have to read the Navamalek Shlok to realize that, you know. Yep. The impermanence of life. And, you know, we're focusing on the wrong thing, we're worrying about the wrong things, you know. Yep. As long as yep. we sort of stay true north, you know, we should be, yep. uh, we should be okay. And I think that the other thing, frankly, is just uh, contemplation, right? So, um, so contemplation. So those three things, you know, thal vittin vastu paisat santok vichar. So you know, as long as you sort of anchor yourself to sat santok and vichar, um, contemplation. Just you know, so some sometimes when you're very disturbed, you go. I go into the Babaji's room and and just sit there, silent contemplation. That's it. You know, or or, or read or uh, from from. So I think it's a very sort of personal. Uh, sort of spiritual experience that one has yeah. to go through, but yeah. but then overarching on top of this is the concept of chardikala, that eternal optimism, the ever rising spirit, uh, which I think gets you through a lot of the downturns because you're like you know that that you cannot lose spirit, you cannot lose yeah. uh, even though you may be going through adversity. So that's the way I personally had to, you know. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. You've said that. I I, I think uh, we often um, confuse the purpose of Sikhi as a pathway to material success and uh, pain, physical and avoidance of physical pain and suffering. Yeah. Right? And your Ardas is always, Vaigruji, please give us uh, uh, more of this and less of this, as opposed to saying, Vaiguru, let me accept what is and have the strength to respond in Jardikala, mm-hmm. right? So we always are trying to, I, I often think we're, we're, we're usually not trying to accept hokum. We're always trying to tweak hokum, right? <laughs> you know, as a yeah. young kid, I'm always trying to tweak hokum. Can I get a little bit more marks so I can get into med school? Or can I get this job or this placement? Or can you make it, can you change the world so that girl looks at me? instead of the other way, or can I get the car, the promotion? And then also, can, can that disease uh, uh, not take over so-and-so's life? Can, can, you know, can, can, my, uh, can my relative conquer the bacteria versus the bacteria conquering my mother, right? And all these things are, we're always trying to change the score. Well, and, I think, and you have to do it yeah. only in times of need, right? So it's like yes. uh, we become spiritual uh, and religious only when uh, death is at our door or you know, we're going through a crisis, so you know it's. Uh, or the night, night before a final exam. Night before. <laughs> so, I mean, there's, so, a, there's a metaphor that, and by the way, we also become more and more religious as we become older, and death is knocking at our door. So there was a very nice analogy that was that that I like is like, let's say you're going to a temple and you were uh, presenting flowers. So would you take a garland that was shriveled 
you know, dead flowers or would you take yeah. fresh, fragrant flowers? So why don't we offer ourselves to the guru when we are body is still fresh and fragrant as opposed yeah. to shriveled up? It's like, uh, I, I got to catch up on my brownie points here, you know. So, yeah. I, by the way, better late than never, but uh, I think... But transactional relationship. Now. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's it, uh, I think one of our our journeys is moving beyond this transactional relationship that we have yeah. with yeah. with an ekongar that we see as blessing some, smiting some, and that I need to get into his. Usually, you know, we good books. Uh, you know, if we think of ekongar as something that's this one force, this one energy, it changes our dynamic around that, and what will be in the universe will be. And our our ardas is always one of having the strength to accept it and then move on with that. Um, the other point I can quickly make on the the, the point that uh, was raised uh, around, you know, for trauma and people going through abuse and how do you bounce back? How does a Gurbani go in there? And and uh, a shab that I actually uh, used as a translation and and a, and a somebody who was in the group was a social worker who had never connected the dots was Mantu Jyotsrupa Apna Mool Pashan. That oh my mind recognize that that divine spark of the universe is actually within you. So for us at six. This is one where it's it, it's such a, a um, amazing concept that we come from perfection. We come from Ekonka. We yeah. come from the divine. So we come from a point not of sin, but a point of that we come from everything is perfect within us. So that no matter what we do in life or what is done to us, we have a chance of going back to that perfection. If we are able to introspect, if we're able to go within and connect with Vaigru, that, that that infinite potential lies within every single one of us. And so Sikhi is, how can that not be if Jardikala? When it's a story of eternal opportunities for redemption. And Nome Pasha, this look, you know, some people take it saying, you're at your last legs, why don't you do it? And people take it in a, in a, in a negative light. I always say it as, it doesn't matter what you've done up until this point. It doesn't matter what happened in maybe in a previous life. It doesn't matter what you did up to today. But what are you going to do in this moment? And I think, you know, you know uh, yeah. The other realization that's really important is sort of the concept of free will, right? That 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 you actually have the opportunity, and in fact, even right in the normal language, it is all within your control. You can break the bonds. It yes. is really sort of you have the strength. It is within you. So, um, so there is a concept of free will, in, and that is. Uh, you are given the opportunity, but you have to. You have to. You have also an obligation and a duty uh, to move in that direction, to move towards the light, and to move towards, uh, you know, to be to be learning and to be sort of you know improving uh, in a continued progression. Because that is what we are taught that our body is merely a sort of a vessel for the soul because uh, as it is progressing, it is progressing yeah. in its in its in its path to the union. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. I'm just going to look at some of the questions here. Um, I think, I think, let me, uh, there's quite a few questions here around uh, uh, young people and, and teenagers. And, you know, and I think I've often seen this when I look at my, my own kids who are a little bit younger, they're not teenagers yet, but I look at their lifestyle. I look at what they do and what they're interested in, the movies they watch, the games they play, the food they eat. Uh, increasingly, there is the difference between what their lifestyle and a mainstream North American lifestyle. You know, the gap is becoming less and less. And you know, of course, they still keep their hair. We still bring you know sick lifestyle into the home and stuff. But in terms of their viewpoints on life, are actually not that different. And so I've often thought about 
that if, if we can connect this next generation of young people coming up, if, we can, if we're able to get them across the line with their limited knowledge of Punjabi, their limited knowledge of, of the Sikh experience, their limited time within the Sikh world, because there's so much in the mainstream, that actually is a bridge, or, or that is a bridge to the mainstream, or vice versa. Getting to the mainstream will certainly bring our children along uh, right. for that journey as well. So any thoughts, reflections on that demographic there of, you know, in the marketing world, you know, teenagers are the hardest to get to, right? Young people are the most elusive uh, demographic. But what's, you know, we talked a little bit about finding people like yourself, but what are other ways that we as a community can be making ourselves relevant to that, to that phase of life or that segment? So, Gulvirji, I, I, I remember, uh, this was many years ago, I met uh, a very senior executive from, um, uh, you know, from, from the... Uh, from the entertainment industry, and she was doing the uh, SpongeBob and uh, uh, the, the, those shows. What is the? Mm. I mean, this is not Disney, but this is the. Um, I'm forgetting the other companies. So, so I, I was asking the. I was asking her. I said, "How is it that these shows you have, Blue's Clues and uh, SpongeBob, yeah. why are they so much more engaging than even Disney?" So you know what she did? She just stood down and looked at me like this. Mm. She said, this is what we do. Disney does this. Uh, we do this. right? Mm. We come down and we look eye to eye with the six-year-old. We have child psychologists who really are. We're speaking peer to peer. I think that is what we have to do. So, off, so often when we speak to children, you know, we talk down to them. We talk, yep. you know, we, we, we assume that age confers upon us some sense of superiority, moral superiority, or superiority in knowledge or experience. But I think that is a myth. That is really sort of so. So if we if we embrace that 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 humility and also we try to, I'm not saying dumb things down, but what I'm trying to make them more approachable mm -hmm. from you know how children will experience this and maybe sort of topics or themes, you know, dealing with teenage crises or dealing with, you know, relationships so that, so themes that might resonate with them. And uh, it's the same thing I was telling you earlier that, that yep. you have to speak in their language. So yep. speaking in their language sometimes is not, you know, I'll, 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 I'll narrate an example. I was sitting in a, in a, in a meeting uh, and we were uh, with a fortune 500 company and we were talking about their digital marketing strategy. And, uh, and, and they were, you know, so I, I looked around the room and I started laughing. They said, what's so funny? I said, you know, I'm the youngest guy in this room. You know, we're all 60-year-olds here thinking, talking about digital marketing strategy. What do we know about it? I said, where are the kids? Where are the 20-year-olds? Well, they said, well, they're not senior enough to be in this, you know, strategy discussion. So I said, since when did your digital IQ become correlated with your age? In fact, it's negatively correlated with <laughs> so, so, you know, we, so that's the idea here, too, yep. that uh, how do we come to, and, and by the way, I think peer role models are, are a very, very important aspect of uh, reaching the teenagers, but it's also sort of being relevant to them. Relevant not only in terms of content, in terms of topics and themes, but relevant in terms of form factor. This is the Snapchat generation. This is the TikTok generation. You know, this is not people who will actually, frankly, even attend webinars like this and sit for 90 minutes in one place. Uh, and God alone knows they are now do, having to do that eight hours a day for their school anyway. So yes. you really have to think, think creatively about you know, the content, the form yep. factors, 
and the role models, the messengers, the ambassadors. And I think that being a test case is more generally what we need to do if we want to broaden the message beyond our community. It's the same idea, right? That, that, yep. that the message, the medium, and the spokespeople all have to be tailored. Yep, absolutely. Want to reach out to. Yeah. Otherwise, remind me of the chamber. We're just speaking to ourselves, which is important. But you know, as we've noticed in politics, you're not changing anybody's mind. No, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think the um, something that both of us have spent time on is a you know user-centered design. And I think right now we need to look at the different users that we have, uh, especially the young people, and reimagine what a sick experience. What does a Devon look like for them? What is Keaton? What is Gurbani? What is Santia? What does Katha look like for them? What does Lunger look like for them so that they are getting the benefit out of it rather than just taking what we have and putting a twist on it for them? So absolutely. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Sani Monbirji. Um, I'm going to pass it over to Manvinder. For, I think she may have a question if we have time. Otherwise, she'll, she can move over to closing. Thank you. Yes, I just have my one wrap up question. Thank you to the both of you um, for this conversation. I'd like to conclude this conversation today with a question to the both of you. Um, understanding and engaging through this conversation as a millennial, so maybe not a Snapchat or TikTok generation, maybe I'm more Facebook and Instagram, but I think something members of my generation and those who are tuning into this conversation, um, a very engaged audience, I might say, a conversation that is happening revolves around this constant pressure to be productive and busy. And I appreciate both of you uh, sharing your moments of struggle and how you both engaged with those, particularly through a sick lens. Um, but moving to um, what you give your time to, you are both quite busy, yet you're quite involved with SICRI. Um, so what is it about perhaps this organization that motivates you to give your time and resources? Um, Professor Sani, perhaps we'll start with you a quick a quick concluding note. Uh, thank you for that question. Uh, I think that uh, whenever somebody tells me I'm busy, I said, you know, it's just a matter of you haven't prioritized. There is always time. It's just where you choose to focus your attention and your time. And uh, I think sometimes we tend to not think hard enough about what, what our priorities are. So, uh, so, 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 so in that context, I think uh, the reason that I try to help out with Sikri wherever and whenever I'm asked in my limited capacity. It is because I think they are doing, uh, they're filling a very, very important gap. And that important gap is to have a, a an intellectual, a balanced and a researched perspective on not only the Shabad, but also the applicability of Sikh values to everyday lives. So I think, and doing it in a language that people understand. So I think this is very, very important work. And that is why I choose to, uh, you know, give my, because there is a, there's a huge gap in, 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 in getting this message out. So Sikri is a platform that is uh, filling this very, very important gap. Thank you. Uh, and, uh, uh... On my end, you know, Sikri is an organization who I have continued to grow with in my own journey uh, and, and, and as part of my seva and is starting to actually become synonymous with my own Sikhi, uh, it, that I have gained so much in terms of my own knowledge and understanding and um, experience uh, with, with the guru that Sikri has provided a platform for that. Um, I'll say, what, for me, what I love about Sikri is, is, and I've said this story many times uh, to those who know me, is uh, I, I 
semi-forced one of my cousins to uh, go to a Sikri event a few years back in, 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 in British Columbia. And he, he went along, but he'd gone through different camps and different things. And he was, of course, sick, uh, but it never really engaged. And he came back and he said to me simply, he goes, Kavir, I've been to lots of different sick events where they keep telling you what to think. This was the first time I came to a sick event and they spent their time thinking about how to think as a sick. And I think that's what Sikri provides. Sikri doesn't provide the answers. It doesn't give you the do's and don'ts of everything. But what Sikri allows us to do is pick up the tools and build our own toolkit for our own engagement with the guru, and then the application of that gurmat into our day-to-day lives. So that I can look at, I can pick up the newspaper and see the issues of the day of the world and have a, a semblance of a sick perspective on those. Or when I am in uh, uh, dilemmas in the workplace or with my family in, in different situations, that sikhi now becomes a touchstone for me on how I think about a situation how I react to situation and how I act in it. So um, Sikri has become a very valuable source for me in my own journey in that way. And, and, and I think what we've done over the course of this year with our pivots, just like uh, Monbeer to the online world, the COVID world of providing these tools in an online space, these webinars we do, the videos we put out there, I think have just made uh, hopefully uh, our message and our work uh, accessible to, you know, in a order of magnitude more people that have otherwise experienced it. So, Thank you for asking that question, Manvinder. It's always a good to end on a, a note of the sponsor of the event. Amazing. Thank you. I think we've had this conversation before. So I think this how to think versus what to think uh, was particularly important for me too uh, in my journey with Sikhi. Thank you for joining in today. Today's webinar will be ending now. Thank you for listening to this webinar. You can look at upcoming webinars on our website at sickre.org. And while you're there, please consider becoming a donor. It's with the help from our audiences that the team at Sikri is able to continue exploring sick knowledge and illuminating the voices in the community. Or consider becoming a supporter of the SickCast by clicking on support on our anchor.fm page. Or you can use the link in this episode's description. However, this podcast is free to all. So if you do like the show, Tell some of your friends and family about us. You are listening to SickCast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path.